You are listening to the Salvation Army Disaster Radio, covering all things related to emergency management, disaster services, and the Salvation Army. Welcome to part three of our ICS Hendecagon, where we continue our exploration of the incident command system and our synopsis of the nine key ICS functions. Today, we are turning attention to the operations section and the supervisory position within that function, the operations chief. But Jeff, as we started prepping for this podcast, I was looking at the standard ICS organizational chart. And the last podcast, we spoke about the incident commander. Now suddenly we're jumping down to the bottom left corner of the chart, skipping the boxes in between. Is there a method to your madness or are you just trying to confuse our listeners? That is a very good question, Christy. And the answer is that yes, there is a method inherent in my madness. You see, too often people think of ICS just as you did, as a static organizational chart, when in fact these boxes actually represent critical tasks or functions that must be performed. Now, all of those functional tasks are important, logistics, liaison, public information, etc. But operations is probably most important of all. Because operations is what you do. Yes, in the Salvation Army, that means operations encompasses nearly all of our direct services, everything we do to help people. So things like our mass feeding operations. Under operations. Shelters. Under operations. Food boxes. Under operations. Cleanup teams. Under operations. Rebuild groups. Under operations. Disaster. Under operations. Our distribution centers. Under operations. Field kitchens. Under operations. Child care or disaster camps. Under operations. All under ops. If the activity touches a survivor or rescue worker, then that activity falls under the supervision of the operations section. And the reason we jump from the incident command section right down to operations is because that's generally how it happens on a disaster site. After you've established command at a disaster, usually the next thing you do is start serving people. Like giving coffee to firefighters. Exactly. And that activity is an operations function. And as the disaster expands, you may need to appoint an operations chief to manage all those direct service activities. But Jeff, we just went over a pretty long list of services the Army might offer on a disaster, and that's just the start. I mean, who knows? We might need to try something completely new based on the unique conditions of the incident. For example, with 9-11, Reagan National Airport shut down, and we had a lot of taxi drivers out of work. The Salvation Army was allowed to give assistance to them. But how can one person handle all of this? Look, it is fair to say that operations usually has more people and resources in it than any other section of the incident command team. But you can usually categorize direct services into four basic categories. Mass care. Feeding and sheltering. Disaster social services. Casework and direct financial aid to survivors. Bulk distribution. Distributing cleanup kits, food boxes, and other commodities. And cleanup and recovery. Everything from mud out and debris removal to complete reconstruction of houses. You got it. And the important thing to remember is that all these direct services don't usually happen at once. There is what we call a continuum of care. Um, These services transition from one to another. So, for example, early on in the disaster, you're probably focused on mass feeding and sheltering. That's what disaster survivors need first. But as time goes on, the need for feeding decreases and people need um, more emphasis on, for example, casework. Give me some food, clothing, stuff that I can start getting back into my home, and then you're gonna transition towards cleanup and recovery. 
I guess it's also important then for the operations chief to understand how these direct services interrelate and to try to make the transition between services as seamless as possible for disaster survivors. If you have survivors in a shelter, then it makes more sense and easier for them to bring in case assistant managers into the shelters and also to be able to provide transportation for them to go to a distribution center managed by the Army. Absolutely. The operations chief also needs to remember that he or she does not need to do all this on their own. For each of those four direct service activities, the operations chief may need to appoint a subordinate to supervise those specific activities. We call these subordinates coordinators. So, for example, let's say we have a big canteen operation and we have 10 of our roving feeding units serving as part of a disaster. The operations chief doesn't need to manage those 10 canteens himself. What he wants to do is get a canteen coordinator in place who can handle the day-to-day operation of those canteens so he can focus on the bigger picture when it comes to direct services. Okay, so those are some good practices, but let's go back to our four main services. Mass care, disaster social services, bulk distribution, and cleanup and recovery. And talk about where things go bad fast. My favorite part, never do this. All right, let's take a look first at mass care, particularly mass feeding. When it comes to mass feeding, it's very important for the operations chief to really look at What is my menu going to look like over the next couple of days? It takes a while to get those supplies in place, takes a lot of of effort to organize those supplies uh, for the canteens. And so if you're not planning ahead, you could very well run into a shortfall of food, which is going to interrupt your service delivery. Along with that menu planning, there's lots of other stuff that needs to be done to those canteens. Simple things like gasoline, propane has to be on tap in order to keep those units running. So the operations chief really needs to be thinking about that and working closely with logistics to make sure those supply lines are in place. The other piece, you do have to make sure you understand who your partners are. In a lot of disasters, when it comes to feeding, we do partner with the Southern Baptists. And so you want to have a good relationship with your Southern Baptist Blue Hat to make sure that when they bring in their big kitchens, that you have the system set up to get them food and that they can produce the food you need each day to serve, get those into Cambros, and then get those mobile feeding units out the door to deliver those uh, foodstuffs to the community. Well, let's talk disaster social services. The questions you're going to ask are, how much are you going to give? To how many? What is your budget, your mechanism of delivery? There's a lot of things that you need to conquer ahead of time before you actually proceed and begin with your social services program. Let me give you an example. You've got 100 people and you want to give them $100 each. Well, that's $10,000 that you're giving out. Suddenly that amount is a lot larger than what it seems at the beginning. And also, what happens if you give $100 to those first 100 people and then you have five more show up? What are you going to give to those people? And if you can't give anything, how are you going to frame your answer? If you're doing gift cards, How are you going to distribute those? Are you going door to door or are you doing those through a distribution center? And another thing to remember, just in uh, meal planning and ordering supplies for the meals, gift cards take a bit of time. That's a process. You have to order them and they have to come in and you have to get them ready to be able to distribute. All of this takes planning. Bulk distribution has a lot of the exact same problems. Let's be clear that we all understand what bulk distribution is. This is when you get a bunch of in-kind gifts, physical stuff, 
and you give them to people. And it may be bottled water, could be food boxes, could be cleanup kits. Again, you've got to make sure you have a pretty hefty supply of those commodities before you announce that program. If you only have 100 bottles of water to give away, you can only serve 100 people. And they're not going to be happy after waiting in line for all that time just to get one bottle of water. The other thing, budget is a factor. I mean, think about, for example, a Salvation Army cleanup kit. It's a nice piece. It's a bucket with all kinds of cleaning supplies in it. But we buy those cleanup kits, so there's a cost associated with them. You also have to imagine that when you order the cleanup kit, it comes on a truck, it has to be unloaded, put in a warehouse before it's actually given to a victim. And so there's handling costs involved. When all that comes into play, might not you have been better just to simply have given uh, a disaster victim a gift card or the direct cost of that, of that in-kind gift? Well, maybe. The last area, and one probably where the Army is most reluctant, is cleanup and recovery. Because we don't do uh, full-scale recovery or rebuilding houses and things like that, we, we are, tend to be reluctant because we think we have to do it all on our own. But that doesn't have to be the case. This is where we have to remind ourselves as an Army that we have valuable partner relationships with organizations such as the Southern Baptist or Hope Force International. These are groups that have expertise in cleanup and recovery. We can partner with them and lean on them. Jeff, I remember when I first started working with you, you reminded me that when you were in charge of some floods and one of our partner organizations was doing a lot of rebuild and what we did with the Army is to basically purchase building materials for them and supply them. That was a great example of partnership without the Army having to take on the entire burden of cleanup and, and recovery. Exactly. Whew. Well, that sounds like there is plenty to do in operations. It's funny you should say that, Christy. You want a little ICS trivia before we go? Oh, of course. I love pop quizzes. <laughs> oh, this is just information. Okay, good. Better. In ICS, we abbreviate operations with three letters, O, P, S, or OPS. Mm -hmm. Coincidentally, OPS, O-P-S, is also the name of a Roman goddess. And her name in Latin actually means plenty. According to an ancient chronicler, whose mother really hated him because she named him Festus, uh, he said, Ops is said to be the wife of Saturn. By her, they designated the earth because the earth distributes all goods to the human gender. Still the same in ICS, Ops is the distributor of all goods and services. I kind of like that, especially being the territorial operations manager. I am plentiful and all things are under me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that wraps up this podcast, and please stay tuned for our next one, which is going to be on logistics. And we should mention... Abbreviated log. Yes. <laughs> the god of... We'll learn that next time, right? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay, enough about that. Just a reminder to all of our listeners, the podcast contest... Game on. Go! You've got till August 15th to get your entries in. And if you don't know what prizes we're offering, check out our video cast. We show you what they are. Right. Thank you for listening to Disaster Radio. We welcome your questions or comments. Send us an email at disasterradio at uss.salvationarmy.org. And remember, it's easy to support the Salvation Army. To donate time, money, or materials, 
go to www.salvationarmyusa.org or simply call 1-800-SAL-ARMY.